Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Thinking of starting a podcast? We'll try Anchor. It's free, easy to use, and its creation tools allow you to record and edit directly from your phone or computer. It'll even take care of distribution for you with a single tap so you can be heard on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Also, Anchor is the only place you can publish video podcasts directly to Spotify. Man, you can even make money using Anchor in a couple of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. It's truly everything you need in one place to make a podcast. So make sure to go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. As always, it's your boy Mac. Joining me today is my friend and co-host Corey Walsh of Fear the Sword. Corey, today was a pretty awesome day, my friend. Uh, <laughs> Cavs Media Day was everything we wanted it to be and more, was it not? I mean, it wasn't as exciting as the J.R. Smith, Jordan Clarkson, George <laughs> Hill Media Day circa 2018, but you know, it's a close second place. <laughs> Honestly, man, this was the most anticipated, at least in my opinion, the most anticipated Cavs Media Day since 2014-2015 season. That is the LeBron return season in which we got to see the magical photos of Kev, Kyrie, and LeBron all in wine and gold, which was pretty awesome within itself. And, um, you know, I think that kind of speaks for itself, that statement. So I won't elaborate any further, but I will say this, man. We got to hear from just about everybody that I wanted to hear from, um, with the exception of Donovan Mitchell, who we've heard a lot from the past couple of of weeks. So, uh, I mean, really, really everybody took the the podium today that I had questions regarding, you know, from J.B. Bickerstaff and uh, Kobe Altman to Evan Mobley and Darius Garland. Even a couple that I didn't expect to go up there and Karis LeVert. (laughs) uh that was a that was a definitely some some clarity you know that was shown today and i just i really loved some of the questions that were posed by some of the reporters that were there but before we get into the Cavs media day stuff man one of the things i wanted to do because we've been kind of delayed here on the pod (laughs) uh is our Cavs mailbag we have some questions within our Cavs mailbag that we need to go back and, and, and take a look at here. And with the regular season, you know, less than a month away, man, I mean, we got basketball, regular season basketball, less than a month away here. And the time's just flying by, man. So without further ado, let's get to question number one. And that is from Marco Pacini. Um, and he his question is, do you think Sharif Cooper is going to develop into a rotation player for the Cavs? Um, he went on to say that uh, Cooper looked horrendous last year the minute he played, but he can see potential. Uh, so before I get a little bit deeper into this one, 
do you think Cooper has a chance to at least make the regular season rotation? Because right now I think we roster 14 players. Uh, yeah, no, I think that spot's probably going to be used more on a forward. That, that the, the Cavs have an abundance of depth at guard. And maybe if this was like two seasons ago, I would be more enticed with the idea of Sharif Cooper than the reality of what he's probably going to be this season. I think it's more likely that if the Cavs like him, they'll just stick him on the charge. At this point, he won't even be two-way level player. I think he's definitely a project. I mean, coming into his draft class, he was uh, one of those second. I th- he was a second rounder, I believe, and he, he like everyone was pretty excited with it, the idea of him being a second round pick. I mean, so there's obviously something there. If you're if you're a second round pick that generates any sort of buzz, it means that there's something about you teams like. I think it's just you know. It's always hard for some players to transition to the NBA. It's not going to always be immediate. No one's going to be like a Luca level Zion level type player that the minute they step into the, the league, second round, <laughs> uh, the Luca of the second round is Sharif Cooper. That's where you're mistaken. <laughs> oh, and, excuse me. Yeah. Come on back. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but yeah, I just, I think it's a, like his best case scenario is more likely he'll be on the charge than anything else. I don't see any world in which we're going to add another guard to this roster barring injuries. So a couple of quick notes on Sharif. Uh, so he spent most of his time, you know, between Atlanta and the college park Skyhawks, which is their G league affiliate team. Where My he favorite actually, team. <laughs> he actually put up 17.1 points and 7.3 assists on a pretty good, you know, shooting splits, 43 and a half uh, from the field, 36.8 from three point range and 90.7 uh, from the free throw line. So he can shoot. That's, that's one thing it, it did not, showcase itself in the uh you know at, at the nba level but at the g league level where you see a lot of talented players still there he looked pretty good at least as a shooter the defense at six foot one i believe 170 some pounds that is not going to come around anytime soon but as you say you know this is yet another guard. <laughs> so not I, only yeah. is it another guard it's another score first mentality guard which we don't have enough of this, Corey. 7.3 assists. We all know I'm what not... Sharif wants to do. <laughs> <laughs> I remember oh. Sharif's highlights as much as the next guy. Oh, man. Oh, man. Look, all I know is that Sharif, if he if we didn't have so many damn guards on the roster, he might have like a higher opportunity to make it. But there are some other training camp invites that might have a slightly higher chance just because of the position that they play, to be honest. Um, you know, given the volume that he shot at with uh with the Skyhawks, I'd say that you're probably correct in saying he does want to score. <laughs> and it's hard to when Trey Young hogs the ball the whole time. The little human pube. <laughs> <laughs> bringing it back from uh, bringing it back for the playing games. The salt's still there. Shots fired. Shots fired. We're not even like 15 minutes into the episode and you're already firing off shots. At somebody. Anytime you bring up anyone from the Hawks, I will be forced to remember the playing games, Mac. Come on. Trey is catching strays right now. <laughs> Good. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I do not believe that Cooper will end up making the uh, the regular season roster just because of the position that he plays. Sadly, I do think he'd probably split some time between, um, you know, in, in a miracle scenario, maybe a two way, maybe, maybe a two way player if the team opts to convert 
RJ Nimhard's deal? Like, please no. <laughs> <laughs> please no. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Uh, but yeah, that's that that's Cooper. I don't think that he's gonna make it to answer your question, man. Um <clears throat> there are some other camp invites that uh that were named recently, and that includes Mamadi Diakite. I think that's how it's Mamadi Diakite. I might be mispronouncing. Max's favorite player, as you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> Nate Hinton, Jamarco Pickett. Those are the other three. Uh, if you have their rookie cards, get ready for those to skyrocket. Whether any of those guys are signed, I think is going to have a lot to do with whether or not RJ Nimhard or Isaiah Mobley's contracts are converted. And I, that's actually a scenario I could see playing out. Um, I could see one of those two guys' deals being converted and taking up that last roster spot, and that'll free up a space for one of these camp invites. Yeah, I feel like it's if anyone's contract's going to be converted, as much as I want to vomit in my mouth, it's going to be RJ Nimhard. <laughs> You just have a really... Uh, I just want a more enticing player than R.J. Nemhard. R.J. Nemhard, to me, I kind of know what he's going to be. I know that like he's has that typical build where people are like, he's he's so raw. He could be so many different things if you want him to be. I'm like, I've watched two full summer leagues of R.J. Nemhard, and he's been the same exact player twice. <laughs> that, and we try to play him at point forward. I didn't really love it. I don't need... He'll never play that with this Cavs roster the way it is especially now that we have two guards that are going to probably have the ball alternating consistently before Rubio even comes back. I just, I don't really want RJ Nemhard anymore, to be honest. I'd be <laughs> fine if we could just <laughs> trade him for something. Yeah. Um, I don't think you can trade two way players. I don't know. I might be crazy. No, we can convert him to then <laughs> trade him back. <laughs> That's a lot to go through. I'll just release him. <laughs> just release him. Oh, Where's the okay. GM in you, Mac? <laughs> This is not 2K, Corey. <laughs> this is 2K. I would have let him go. Like I, I sign <laughs> trade guys all the time just to get some draft capital. You're cold, man. Hey, man. It's a cold world out here in 2K. Um, moving on here. Next question from Harry Ahola. <laughs> you and the names, man. <laughs> <laughs> These are all from Twitter. I never really can tell, and I hate it if I'm butchering people's names, but, I mean, I can't help it. Help. Thanks for listening, Harry. Sorry about yes. Mac. All right. Harry's question was, how much will you miss Lowry marketing? Corey, I'll let you take the first swing at this one. Uh, more than life itself. Uh, honestly, I uh, I really enjoy the tall ball lineup, and I think it's really hard to replicate. It's not as simple as just being like, well, if you put it in another 6'10 forward or taller, it's going to be fine. Lowry had enough. Uh, potency from three to make him a threat to stretch the floor. You can't just put any stiff seven footer out there and think Says that who? it's going to uh, <laughs> the metrics smack. <laughs> <laughs> I've been crunching the numbers during this podcast break and my data shows that Larry Markin <laughs> is a valuable player. You didn't watch the euros. Hey, that's a whole nother league, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's where Lori is a whole nother league of his own. <laughs> And he is not easily replaced, except by Somehow one person. You're going to counter with that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Lowry, I'm going to miss him a lot. I mean, like, I'm not going to sit here and also be like, man, he was so good for us last year statistically, because that would also he went through serious cold stretches to start the season for the Cavs. And it took a long time for his value, I feel like, to really show offensively. 
but just the height alone was so important to this defensive identity of the team. So that he'll, it'll definitely be some growing pains if the Cavs end up not going tall ball this year and going back to a more uh, normal lineup. Well, all indications are that it is Karis Levert's job to lose, according to you know some outlets. But, I mean, you never really know. Heading into the final day before the regular season, we could have anyone of Isaac Okoro, Dean Wade, Karis Levert. You know, all of them are probably going to be battling. Who knows what's going on behind closed doors in regards to those positional battles. But it's going to be one hell of a uh, – preseason and you know training camp and whatnot i just want to point out mac last season we thought going into it it was a done and done that isaac okoro was going to be the three and that's what they were kind of making it seem like the whole the whole preseason Mm -hmm. and then they yanked it out that it was lowry marketing on opening tip so all i'm saying is you think karis levert's the option right now don't be surprised if a certain person who mac and i are on record as the premier <laughs> podcast of slide into the three that's all i'm saying oh man we'll get to your boy here in a minute um all i have to say in regards to this is a lot and obviously no i have more to say in regards to it but Corey, we've spoken a few different times about you know the element of spacing that he provided how vital that was to making the three seven footer lineup work i mean there's no way around it. The the 6.2 triples a game that he took, that was a big deal. Whether or not he made them or or missed them, that was a big deal to a front court that's largely spacing averse. <laughs> so um, <laughs> luckily, luckily the player that the Cavs went out and acquired in Donovan Mitchell, you know, he likes to shoot that three ball. He took nearly 10 threes a game. So that'll make up for a lot of that that you're losing. And depending upon who you're starting at the three, as long as they give you like three to four a game, uh, I think they'll be fine. Um, I know someone that can do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, Lowry, the, the loss of Lowry definitely hurt a lot, um, you know. But in retrospect, it was a deal that you had to include him in, and we all know that. Um, it, nobody is stopping a trade for Donovan Mitchell or Lowry marketing. You're not – hold the presses. You're not, you're not stopping the deal for that. I mean, I would. I would be like, you sure you don't want Windler? <laughs> I think I heard you wrong. You may have. <laughs> um, defensively, honestly, is where like most of the questions are going to lie, depending upon who starts, especially if Karis LeVert is your guy. Um, everything is theoretical, though. You, you just don't know. The guy with the most experience starting at three on the roster right now is Isaac Okoro, right? So... Um, he may end up winning that position, uh, that positional battle, but time will tell. Um, if you back, <laughs> if you say that the Cavs' offense is space averse without Lowry, imagine how space averse it's truly going to be if we have to throw out a lineup with a Coro, Mobley, and Allen consistently spreading the floor. Hey, I believe in my boy Isaac Okoro. Prior to last season, um, I was calling for him to be one of the most improved player candidates, and that was definitely <laughs> retrospect again. <laughs> probably too much expectation. Uh, Did you also end. have Dylan Windler in the race for most improved? <laughs> <laughs> or comeback player of the year? I at least thought Dylan Windler would be a, a, a valuable contributor. Um, you know, Is that the award? <laughs> It should be most a, valuable a, contributor award <laughs> participation awards. Best high five off the bench guy. Hey, that's going to be Rolo this year. 
Um, <laughs> that said, um, yeah, I mean, I believe in Isaac. I think that as long as he can take, you know, three to four game, anybody really who's who's going to be starting there can take three to four game and at least be a respectable source of three point shooting. It'll be fine along with the defense that is added. We know what he can do defensively, but offense is really where most of the questions rely, uh, you know, lie with him. So uh, moving on here from Savvy Gamer, the most likely free agent to fill the hole at the small forward spot after this season. Wiggins or Barnes or someone else, or do you see a trade deadline move this year? And if so, who would that be? And then they felt the need to include Kelvin Johnson <laughs> as a possibility. Um, that's <laughs> that a lo- ex- that's a lot, right? That's that's expensive. <laughs> that's a that's a, a large question. So I'll 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 start off here by saying this: I don't actually think they can trade for Andrew Wiggins right now because mm. that will screw everything up with Evan Mobley's contract negotiation. Eventually, if I'm not mistaken, I mean Donovan's is already throwing a wrench into it. Yeah, and um, Andrew is entering the final season of his deal, I believe, and will need to be re-signed and is likely going to command max money. So unless you're shipping out Donovan Mitchell or somebody else who's on a max salary type of money, you're not getting that Andrew Wiggins. I mean, I love Andrew Wiggins now as much as the next guy. But I, I still like do not see him as a max level player. I think he's in the best situation possible in Golden State, and that's gonna be really hard to replicate. I mean, he could prove me wrong this year and be just as good. But you know, he did look real. He was a key part of their title run last year. Like he really showed up in ways that we were hoping when he was selected number one. This is probably the closest to what we expected him to look like. He's that he's ever been. Wouldn't want the Cavs to pay remotely close to max money for him. Harrison Barnes, I feel like, is somewhat on the decline. Weirdly enough, I feel like the player that is currently out in trade rumors right now makes the most sense for the Cavs, and that would be a return of Bossman 99. Hey, man. See, Bossman 99 sparks many debates across Cavs uh, mediums, and uh, for good, you know, for better or worse, um, I can see both sides of the argument here. His last... His, his tenure in Cleveland was uh, rocky, to awful. say the least. To say awful. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't leave a good taste in anybody's mouth. And th- this is what I can't understand with Boss Man. He's well-liked and, and well-received, apparently, in, in every other destination that he's been in, every other team he's played for, he's highly regarded. I don't know if it was just playing with LeBron. I don't know if it was a Cleveland of it all. But it didn't leave a good taste in my mouth. But I think that Cavs team that he got thrown into was the most toxic environment a player has had to be thrown into. And like since the really awful Kobe Lakers, like in his last two seasons where it was Kobe and a bunch of scrubs, like he got thrown into a basically a bunch of like a former all-star meeting with all the, the players off injury and on the decline, too many egos in one locker room. It, there was no Channing. Enough, there was not enough Channing Fry, Richard Jefferson jokes to diffuse any of that toxicity. Yeah, it was a bad situation for a lot of people that were involved. Uh, just, just a tough spot for him, I guess. But having him back, it would fill a need um, that the Cavs clearly have. Um, we know what he can bring to the table. He brings championship experience himself. So uh, you know, at least being within the finals. Uh, but. 
for me, I just I fail to see. I think that they have mutually him and Phoenix have mutually agreed to kind of seek a trade, right? Yeah, because um, he wasn't promised uh, his role as a starter would be throughout the whole season. I think they really want to make a push for Cam to take that spot. Can you see anybody from the uh, from the Cavaliers currently be like an actual like enticing <laughs> trade asset though? No, that's, that's where I always like I'm like it would be a good fit on paper, yeah, for what the Cavs need from their starting three. But it's not like you really just have to be like who you would know Phoenix want. That's my like like <laughs> who would Phoenix even want? Is it a Jetty? Did Austin you see Jetty's Euro highlights? Oh my <laughs> and god! Dylan Windler said today, breaking news. He's turned some heads at minicamp. <laughs> Why? Hey, because they're like, is that Dylan? I'm starting to believe my man Dylan here. Um, Mac, and I know, don't do it. <laughs> don't I'm going to do it to myself. I'm going to do it to myself. I think that there's a possibility. Well, we already know, dude. There's only 14 people in the roster. We know everybody's not going to be able to play. But there may be some small scenario in which they give him one final shot. They get, I think they will. I think JB is going to give. We know JB likes Dylan. I think they're going to give him an opportunity. And Is it that he likes Dylan, Dylan or he doesn't Jillian. like Jetty? <laughs> I mean, they're basically one, right? <laughs> Jillian, I don't know, bro. Um, I don't think Jetty plays either. Um, I, at least not oh, initially. So I think this is probably going to be like a um, – I think I was – we were kind of asked this question earlier in a group chat that I was in, and I said myself that, hell – what if we see JB roll out 11 man uh, an 11 man rotation just to keep guys fresh? That's probably highly unlikely. Um, but when you think about the wealth of players that the Cavs will have available to them this season, finding minutes in this rotation is going to be definitely difficult. But I fail just to circle back here. I fail to see anybody that the Cavs would be willing to part with that would actually entice Phoenix enough to you know move on that deal with them. I think they'll find another trade partner. The Suns need RJ Nembhard. <laughs> he is the uh, the final he is, <laughs> He's the, he is the glue that brings that team together. Great locker room guy. That's what I've been hearing all summer league. Jay Crowder is a glue guy, and that's the funny thing here. Like, he's a guy that you know seems to find success. You know, he's been in a lot of playoff runs. It's it's weird. It's crazy. Yeah, seriously, he's like the Pat Bev of the small forward position. Wherever he goes, success follows. Ah, man. Um, also, to- let's just rewind that Mac is in these like super secret Cavs uh, group chats. They're but the records show that I'm also not in these group chats. <laughs> so obviously this is only for the Cav podcaster elite. Not really. No, it's all uh, Batman's no Robins. I am very, <laughs> I am like 99% certain that these are like kids. Most of them are probably kids that I, uh, a while ago had got added to one of these and I've just been, Hell in yeah. I, I hop in and I hop out every now and then when I see something. Max like giving make a wishes to toddlers right now, giving them calves insights. Oh, they don't care about what I have to say. <laughs> Mac, how dare you taint our brand with that smut? <laughs> hey, man, I got to keep it real. Um, but just to circle back to that question entirely, I just I think this roster right now is largely what it is. Um, I don't think there are going to be too many opportunities to snack somebody who's like actually game breaking or somebody who will impact the roster without having to sacrifice a big name piece in return. So this is what we got. And you probably add one more player or you sign one of these training camp invites, but they're probably going to be an end of the bench piece. 
Yeah, I mean, the reality is the Cavs need a player that's like serviceable to above, like like to average on offense and also a solid defender because you could find a bunch of offensive minded threes, but we also have a offensive minded threes on our in our team. So it's something we already have. Like you, I immediately was like, I know Doug McDermott's probably available, but Carmelo. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you wouldn't say like even if he if he came to your doorstep right now and said, "Hey Corey, I'm gonna play for the Cabs." Hey Carmelo, <laughs> for the minimum. No, I don't think that's worth it at all. <laughs> Not even. For I the can minimum. say I would say, "Hey Melo, really great to see you. How's it going?" Um, <laughs> you if you were door in his face. if you were so good, why didn't your boy Braun want you back? That's the real question. Because I saw that Lakers roster today for training camp. Mm-hmm. It's literally LeBron, AD, Pat Bev, and a bunch of scrubs. Did you see that awkward ass photo, like of LeBron, AD, and Russ? I, that had to feel so weird. Like just because we know, like Russ don't want to be there, the Lakers don't want to have him there anymore. I feel bad for Russ at this point. It's I like too. a lot of slander. I know. Seriously, I hope like he just goes to some awful team that just wanted the salary dump, and he just kicks ass. I think that'd be awesome. But do you see his quote today? How he pretty much was like, yeah, you know, sometimes at work, people just hate you. And that's the way it is. And I was like, Russ, what the hell has happened to you? Oh, he went, how the mighty have fallen. Jeez, he went from like geez. alpha energy to now just baby back boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All I know is I, I do feel bad for him. He was just never a good fit there. Um, I wish he would have stayed with Washington to be honest with you. Uh, but he, he's just not a good fit in L.A. Everybody do that. I don't know why LeBron and AD campaign so hard for that. That's another question for another day. This LGM is, is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> this is a cap spot. Let's get back, man. So uh, next question that we have up here is from Colin Reddick. Uh, who gets more minutes this season, uh, Dean Wade or Lamar Stevens? I'll let you go first, man, because I know I know who your boy is. See, this is tough for me, though, because I honestly, in my head, I want the starting three to be one of the two of them. I don't want it to be pretty much anyone else. I feel like the two of them, in my mind, give the Cavs starting five the most balance possible. What you both- want and what reality is is different, though, Corey. Oh, no, I know it's probably going to be Karis Lever, and I'm going to vomit in my mouth when I see the picture. But if I was JB and if I'm running my own 2K lineup, I could tell you right now it's probably going to be either Dean or Lamar. I would prefer it to be Dean so we can kind of stay. It'd be not as much of a learning curve for this Cavs roster throughout the beginning of the year because it's already going to be turbulent enough with incorporating an all-star like Donovan Mitchell who has played to his own drum pretty much in Utah for the past few years. Now to throw him into a team that already had their own flow is going to be kind of rough. So that doing that, acclimating to having Mitchell on the floor – and trying to shift the philosophy of the defense, I feel like would be a lot for this team to kind of endure for its first few weeks. So by having Dean Wade there, I think the stability he provides, along with like a pretty similar play style as Lowry Markinen, would make it a more seamless transition into the next uh, few, like the next season. Lamar, though, like if he, it all depends on like what his offseason growth would look like. But I would say right now, I think Dean's probably going to play more minutes than Lamar. I think Lamar might still be a situational play. That says just a lot about the depth that we have on the team. Uh, just a couple of facts about Dean. You may have seen me tweet this out the other day. Dean Wade actually has nearly as many career three pointers as 
Isaac Okoro and Lamar Stevens combined. Whoa! Uh, so, you know, take that for what you want. Take it with a grain of salt, you know, considering the minutes that he's played versus those two and how long he's been in the league, because I think he's actually been in the league longer than both uh, by one season uh, in regards to Lamar. Uh, 131 career triples for Dean, 139 for Isaac and Lamar combined. Last season, he actually had the third highest three-point percentage at 35 and uh, 35.9% among players with at least 50 games played. Um, that's a big deal. That's Lowry Markin-esque, right? <laughs> that that actually is one like uh, like a small point. 0.01 percentage higher than Lowry's was last year. Suck it, Lowry. <laughs> With uh, lower volume. Um, 23 and 24 record as a starter. And last fun fact here is that he will actually only be the eighth highest paid player during uh, the following season in 23-24, making only 5.7 mil. Where's Lamar on that list? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't even think Lamar is under contracts for 23-24. I could be mistaken. They'll probably do no, that. No, I think he's on one of those. I think it's like a four-year non-guaranteed deal. So each year he'll get like his $1 million for the season or something. He's on a Bobby Bonilla deal. <laughs> Hell yeah, except he has to show up. <laughs> oh, man. Um, Lamar Stevens, man. Um Heart and soul, I, all heart, all you know, all heart and soul. Definitely has that dog mentality in him that Cleveland fans love to you know bring up. But to answer the question, I do feel that Dean Wade is probably going to get slightly more minutes, and this is probably going to be situational for both. Um, when you really think about it, um, neither are, is likely to start, in my opinion. Um, although we want them to be in the mix. I think it really boils down to one of two players, and that's Karras and Isaac. And when you look at that starting five, whether it be with Karras or Isaac, that's your, you know, if you're starting Isaac, then theoretically Karras is probably going to be your sixth man. Kevin Love will likely be your seventh. And, you know, you 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 go down from there. I mean, at least until Ricky Rubio's back. So, um, there's just a lot of roster configuration, a lot of lineup configurations that can be done, but I fail to see a world in which either really cracks more than 16, 17 minutes a game. Mac, I can't wait for your jaw to be to the floor when Dean struts <laughs> out in that starting lineup to Kid Cuddy. It's going to be awesome. I feel like we should make a bet, but uh, we'll do that off the record. <laughs> if Carousel Vert's the starter, my my bet is I quit this podcast. <laughs> It'll be too much for Gory to handle. He's going to crack. I mean, I feel like I'm more anti Karis Levert. I think the consensus right now between the other uh, Cavs podcasts that I listen to, but I, I don't know. I just, I think the most interesting thing that's not really being brought up with Karis is that I just, he kind of operates to the beat of his own drum. I don't think he really has had many situations in which he needs to be like a part of the puzzle more than the final piece that kind of makes it work. And last season, like he really never got into the flow of being a complimentary player. You could tell he definitely wanted to think uh, score first at times with Garland also on the floor and it just didn't seem to work. So seeing him having to be the third banana, at times offensively, I think it's really going to be hard for him. And I just think it'd be easier for him to kind of run that second unit instead. I think the ideal role for him is the six man role, at least until Ricky's back. And maybe even after Ricky's back, depending upon how he looks. But 
Um, you know, time will tell. He's in a contract year, so that's a motivating factor. He still has to stay healthy. Um, yeah, as we love to point out here, he's not played more than 60 games in what seems like forever. Uh, so there's a lot of factors kind of working against him here, but nothing is impossible. Um, if you're starting him, you are hoping that he can be a connective tissue and that he can play better off ball than he ever has consistently. Um, a lot of question marks. And then if you have him coming off the bench, you know, he can operate the second unit as a facilitator, a playmaker, you know, pseudo point guard, um, you know, whether or not how Neto is suiting up or not. Um, so there's just a lot of question marks with him. Um, but question in particular was about, uh, Dean and Lamar. So I think that's where we're kind of at in, in line to both of those is that Dean is probably going to see slightly more minutes. Yeah, Dean, bring it home for the boys. <laughs> uh, next question here from small market insecurities. What seed this year for the Cavs? Well, uh, seeing as Boston's currently in flames because their coach is apparently. I don't think uh, that's going to be like a like it. That's a shitty situation all around for everybody. He kind of did it to himself, but I don't think that's going to affect him as much as like it's talent, man. I think coaching is a huge difference in the playoffs, though. And when push comes to shove, like Ime Adoka did a fantastic job with that team in the second half of the season and kind of completely transformed them into a defensive juggernaut. I think it's really going to be tough for like anytime you kind of have a dark cloud over an organization, it kind of does affect them in ways that you just can't really expect to come because on paper, yes, swapping a coach for another coach really shouldn't make that drastic of a difference. But when you think about it, how many teams went from like look at the Warriors? They needed to switch their coach to become an elite team. They didn't really change. We're not talking their- about playoffs, though. We're talking about like seeding. I'm just saying, like in general, like it really affects teams as a whole. Like the way co- every coach thinks completely different. I don't think that that their assistant coach now uh, head coach for the season is going to think the same way Udoka does, just because that he was under his staffing. <laughs> you I remember just- what Kyrie said? <laughs> we don't need a coach. Corey, you or I could coach the uh, the Boston Celtics to a playoff seed this year. We oh, no, I think they're going to make the playoffs. I just don't know if they're necessarily going to be top four anymore. I think they could be outside yeah. that. T- I think they've opened a window for the Cavs to kind of sneak into that home court advantage because I kind of saw them as fifth seed with the way the East looked pre-Ime Adoka deciding to be a scumbag. <laughs> when you say them, are you saying Cavs or Boston? Oh, I, I, I now see the Cavs in the top four. I originally saw Boston in that top four seeding, but now I kind of see them on the outside. Okay, so you're going to go, you're going four seed. Okay. Um, I yeah, think- I made that very unclear. So sorry <laughs> to the listeners at home doing the mental math. Um, who are your uh, Who are your the th- three teams above them? Uh, Milwaukee, Miami, and Philly. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at too. Um, four seed right now, and I it was actually like that before we uh, we saw the email news come out, but. That on any given day, you can ask me, and I could feel a little bit differently about it. Um, four or five, I think, is a realistic expectation for this Cavs team. Um, we don't really need to lift them into the uh, true contender stratosphere just yet because we have not seen them truly make the playoffs. If you want to call the playing games postseason, fine, that's cool. We have not seen them actually play a playoff series yet. 
Um, you know, so there's a lot of questions left to be answered here. A lot of good teams in the East. Who knows? But four or five kind of seems like a, a good place for right now. That could definitely change after the first 15 games or so. Um, our opinions could change. You never know. And for people out there who think that they're like, why didn't you say Brooklyn? Tell me how many games you think Kyrie Irving is going to play next year and I'll wait. <laughs> I actually think Kyrie's probably going to play a hefty amount of games this year. Between Kyrie, Kevin, and Ben, I I foresee at least like 45 games missed from some who, version of those three. Who plays the most games out of that bunch? I think it's going to be Ben Simmons. Really? Yeah. Okay. All right. Ben Simmons, I'll... all he did was have uh, some mental health struggles. So at the end of the day, it's nothing physical, which should be what prevents him. Kyrie likes to just take sabbaticals. Like you never know if Kyrie's saying he's going to do some Indian cleanse and never show up for like three weeks. <laughs> you never know. Like the same opening his third eye. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I kind of just feel indifferent about Kyrie, the person right now. I don't really know him. Obviously I'm not going to judge him too harshly as a basketball player. He kind of seems like, you know, he, he can wake up any day that we can say, I don't feel like playing today. And that's, that's what more and more often has seemed to be the case with him. Um, I don't know though. Um, next question here comes from Preston Wheeler. Will the Cavs try to acquire another three and D player before the season? And I think this kind of falls in line with the question we talked about earlier. Um, I'll just start off by saying, no, I don't think they have the, the capital to do it without sacrificing an asset in return. And, to be honest, I think they're just going to ride out what they have. Um, they currently roster 14. They have the two two-way guys. I think one of those guys gets elevated to the main roster. I could be wrong. Corey, what do you think? I 100% agree with what you said. I have nothing else to really add to it. I feel like we both feel the same way. Three and D players are the hardest thing to acquire in the league, and if it was that easy, everyone would have one. So yeah. <laughs> They rarely hit the market, and when they do, they cost a lot of money. Um, and when you're talking about a trade, you're going to have to sacrifice significant assets t- typically to get one. I hear Utah has a rookie from Kansas that would be a good 3 and D guy, but that's just hearsay, hearsay. I already traded for him in uh, 2K. That was the first move I made was to reacquire Ochai Abaji. <laughs> what a roller coaster for him. <laughs> and he's on the bench. <laughs> oh, just imagine being Ochai in 2K and having to buy real estate and sell real estate in this awesome market. Oh, man. Good times. <laughs> oh, Chase, having a blast. Uh, next question from NBA insider Luau Dang. Oh, my <laughs> God. Luau, welcome to the pod. We, <laughs> cashed in our, we cashed in our chips for Mitchell. Had we waited for the next disgruntled star, who do you think that would have been? I think you kind of referred to it earlier, didn't you? But no, uh, no, Jay Crowder's not a star. Nah, nah. <laughs> I mean, in his mind, yes. Um, that's kind of hard to tell just because you don't really know that these stars are disgruntled unless they want you to know or unless something's leaked, right? Do you think we can get weave Jimmy Butler? <laughs> I I saw the most disrespectful tweet earlier and it said Jimmy Butler was the best WNBA player of all time. I mean, they got a point though. <laughs> I don't know what the guy's going on, got going on with his hair, but he we we know he can play. Um, I don't can, see. Him. Can he play with windshield wipers in front of his eyes? Because <laughs> that dude's got a lot going on. Unless he's going to tie that up. I I'm mean, not gonna. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know what to say about that. All I know is that uh, could bruise an eyeball. <laughs> it it definitely could. It could definitely could uh, knock you out. Um, but I just don't see like like I said, it's hard to really know 
who's disgruntled and you know who who's feeling good without a leak or without somebody making it known. And usually these things kind of play themselves out during the course of the regular season. So no, I I don't think they uh I, I don't really think there's a good answer to that question to be I honest. I think the only two players I can think of off the top of my head that always are in rumors are Brown Jalen Brown and Pascal Siakam. Jalen probably more than anybody. Um, that's a good one. I don't know about Pascal. I feel uh, like Pascal and Nick Nurse every season. There's an article from the Athletic co- that comes out. It's like Pascal and Nick Nurse yelling locker room furiously. That was what they got going on right now. I think like if you think about it this way, if they were gonna give up on Pascal, they're gonna want probably Evan Mobley in return. And would you make that deal? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, they would. There's no. I don't think. Any, I don't think Cleveland would want to give up anybody that, that they would want because Pascal can play. Dylan uh, Windler and Jetty in a third. <laughs> a third. <laughs> you can wait on it. Jeez Louise. Um. Yeah, that's that's a tough question to answer. Sorry, NBA insider Luol Dang. Yeah. Well, if you're the insider Luol Dang, why don't you tell us? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and last but not least, from Cincy fan stand, who would you start at the three? There's your question right there, Corey. Go ahead and go ahead and answer it. Dean Wade, baby. That's all you need to know. <laughs> yeah, we've kind of beat that one to death already tonight. Um, but good to get your answer on record. Um, if I could really answer this question right now, who would I start at the three? Man, that's tough as hell. It probably is Dean. Um, but I really am still pulling from my guy, Isaac. But sadly, I don't think either of those two are going to start. I think we're going to be looking at the opening day lineup, and we're going to be looking at one Karis Levert starting and, at three. And Mac will be doing the opening season podcast solo. Because <laughs> yeah. Corey will be on the toilet vomiting. <laughs> Corey's going to quit um, as soon as he hears that. So. There's going to be a lot of guest stars on this show there <laughs> after be. the opening tip. So pay attention viewers and listeners if comment uh, below if you want my job <laughs> Corey's gonna lose it. Corey's gonna do an anti Karis Levert spinoff podcast <laughs> all the Karis slander you can't be that down on the guy I'll just funnel it <laughs> that's gonna do it for the uh the mailbag portion of the episode obviously I'm assuming that most of the year that came to tune in <laughs> All five of you. <laughs> yeah, are here. That's about, a whole hand, uh, baby. <laughs> about Cavs Media Day. Holy hell, man! There was a lot to sort through, and probably not enough time to do it in. So we can just touch on a couple of quick things here. Um, Evan Mobley. Yoked. Evan Mobley looked. <laughs> He looked yoked out there. I mean, the dude looked like he put on a few pounds in a good way, you know, put on some muscle. <laughs> Does not the Zion <laughs> diet. <laughs> he looked like he put on some healthy weight here. And man, by all and by all accounts, he's been in a lot working. And uh, one thing that I've kind of noticed over these last few seasons is JB Bickerstaff's affinity for like praising his players like just kind of lifting guys up and i love it except I mean, for jenny <laughs> <laughs> jenny's can just stay in the doghouse you, you kind of have to do that with your uh, roster featuring so many young players you want to you want them to feel good about themselves and whatnot and um it, it it always feels good on the outside looking in when you actually see these guys performing on the court 
And, you know, through one season for Evan Mobley, we've already seen this guy has high caliber potential, especially on the defensive end. And he he definitely leaped some high praise on Evan today when he basically, you know, outright said he believes that Evan Mobley has defensive player of the year, you know, potential in the next few seasons. Uh, so my question for you, my friend, is how feasible this season, how feasible do you think it is for Evan Mobley to be a finalist for a defensive player of the year? Oh, extremely high. I think last season he if he if you took away the rookie label off Evan Mobley and if he didn't miss so many games throughout points of the season, he was one of the best defensive players in the league already as a rookie. And if you just showed removed his name from the stat sheet and showed his impact defensively, he would have been in that conversation in the first place. But now this season, you know, you get the second year, you have another, I mean, the dude, let's just start hashtag HGH watch. Cause Evan Mobley looks like he's been taking some illegal <laughs> substances. <laughs> going on here. I know the boys at the chase down like to do height watch, but this is an Evan Mobley <laughs> HGH watch. That's my boy. The, his biceps were as big as his head. Like the dude went from looking like Kevin Durant to now he looks like he's been eating 5,000 calories a day at least. Well, he I makes know. eyes of the coral look like a twig. The, the league better watch the fuck out. That's all I know. This guy is going to be out to, to kill this year. Um, I mean, just a couple of fun facts on Evan, you know, from his rookie season. He finished with 1.7 blocks per game. An average that was good for seventh, I believe, tied for seventh in the league last season. Um, and that was actually the highest amount for a rookie since Mitchell Robinson back in the 2018-2019 campaign, who had 2.4 a game. Damn, and Mitchell Robinson's the next Kareem. <laughs> <laughs> I know. By comparison, you hear you hear a name like Mitchell Robinson. I didn't right? know where the name was going, and then I heard Mitchell Robinson. I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, since Joel Embiid. And I would be like, oh. Yeah, so, I mean, that's that, that was one of the big things for him. We know that he can step out on the perimeter and defend. We know that he can be a rim deterrent, although his skills, I wouldn't say, are, you know, on par with a, with a Jared Allen's just yet. Uh, but we know that he's kind of a hybrid in that regard. He kind of blends those two, and he's damn good at it. And he can only stand to get better at 21 years old. So um, I don't truly know if he would have been – in that consideration the last season, but I think it's definitely possible for him to finish uh, as a finalist this year. I think that if I had to say on a scale of one to 10, how confident I am in that to be a possibility, I'd say about a seven right now. Oh, Mac. <laughs> oh, Mac. I'm at a nine. <laughs> I, I think it's locked in. You know what? In fact, I'm going to make my bed tonight. I'm going to go on my DraftKings, and I'm going to, I'm going to solidify that. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm not going to beat you up for that just because I feel like that it, there is a certainty, there are a certain level of um, kind of manifestation here. I think that we, we've done a lot with, with Cleveland over the past few seasons and we kind of manifest destiny things here. <laughs> um, so hopefully Evan Mobley can become a a guy that's in consideration for that award this season that'll just show you how impactful defensively he is going to be and to be honest with you how much he's going to need to be uh with without that third seven footer in the lineup we don't know that yet 
<laughs> Let's pump the brakes, Mac. <laughs> Talk about manifesting. You're just putting Dean in the doghouse. Dean is not seven foot, bro. <laughs> he is close enough. He's listed at what? 6'10". All right, you tell me who's taller. Quick, off the top of your head. Karis LeVert or Dean Wade? Go. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Trick question. It's Dean. <laughs> All I know is that Evan has a good chance to do that this season. And, you know, one last fun fact. Cleveland has never had a defensive player of the year. So he could become the first, which would be pretty damn awesome. That wasn't fun at all. That was depressing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got probably, a fun fact for you. Cleveland hasn't won a championship without LeBron. Moving on. <laughs> uh, one of the things that one of the absolute best things I think came out today was a response from Kobe Altman when he was asked a question. And I think it came from Chris Fudor. In fact, Chris Fudor of Cleveland.com when he asked Kobe whether or not he felt this team could be a contender this season. Um, Kobe's response was basically, you know, not yet. Not yet. Um, I don't have the exact wording in front of me. I probably should have pulled it up. Not going to lie. But it was in line with the fact that there are still, you know, there's still time for development here. There's still time for growth. Yeah, so there's no pressure of it, the season being a win or or like a contention title or bust type mentality. They said we didn't win any we, – we we only won like 84 games last year or played 84 games. There's a lot more games that we want to play this season. Perfect response. That was the perfect response for a question like that because, one, it says that he does have confidence in this team, and I think he also went on to say he didn't want to put a ceiling on the team this year. Um so I, I I felt like that was literally the best response that Kobe could have given at that point in time, just because you don't want to heap hefty expectations on this team, a team that has not been to the playoffs, uh, you know, sans LeBron since 97, 98 season, I believe. Um, and again, the, the playing game may on paper be considered a postseason game, but it's not a playoff series. So we still have not seen this team put their gear on and go out there and win it you know, when it's such a high level that it's a guarantee that there should be a contender. We're just not there yet. So why do yourselves a disservice and, le- uh, you know, levy expectations upon them? So I, I loved that response. So there is a question in this, Corey. Uh, we're not just rambling here. What is your – what would – if you were asked that question, what would your response have been? Would Do you believe this team to be a title contender as of right now? No, I think it's really hard to put a, a one a young team to have championship aspirations with no playoff experience, like you said, but also a team that it just now has to adapt to such a huge difference in dynamics within the roster. I mean, I I've, I feel like I'm a broken record, but this Donovan Mitchell transition is not going to be as easy as I think people are panning it out to be, thinking that what? it's just going to like they're no, I'm just gonna. People are just going to be like, oh, yeah, it's easy. You just throw in another 26 points per game with Darius, who averaged around like 22. It's going to be simple. Like, that's going to be an easy mix and match. You got Evan Mobley. He's going to be better. Jared Allen's going to be the same. And uh, we don't even know what the three is going to look like, but that's fine. It doesn't really matter. It's going to be Karis LeVert. That's going to be awesome. (laughs) And it's going to be like, I guarantee you the first like 30 games, I wouldn't be shocked if the Cavs are hovering at 500. 
Like, cause just think about that LeBron season the first year. Like the Cavs were an ugly team to watch for the first half of the year. And all it it just takes a long time to kind of figure it out. I mean, there's not as many moving pieces per se, like with the it main blocks of the team, but Anytime you integrate a star as big as Donovan Mitchell is, it along with trying to move your timeline at the pace that you were before, that's just really hard to do. And I think people really need to temper what that's going to look like. Yeah, I think when you've grown accustomed to you know winning on that end of the spectrum, you want to see a team win. When you are going grown accustomed to losing quite often, you develop sort of, sort of a loser's mentality. I feel like that's inevitable. Cleveland is kind of in the middle right now. They just have lifted themselves, uh, you know, out of the proverbial hump of the rebuild and into the next stage where it's not quite contention, but it's not quite rebuild. I don't know what you want to call it, uh, but we know that we we probably shouldn't label them anything just yet because this is not a finished product. A lot of moving pieces here, a lot of guys still to evaluate, a lot of decisions to be made. And one of those uh, decisions just was made in line to a guy that we love here, and that is uh, Dean Wade. Dean Wade was given a three-year, I believe, around 18 mil a season. I don't have the exact number in front of me, uh, but it averages out to about 5.7 mil over the course of those three seasons. So um, happy for Dean. I feel like he is going to be a, you know, a bargain as I said before, he ended up he's going to end up being, as of right now, the eighth highest paid player uh during the 23-24 season, assuming you know, more deals will obviously be made to fill out that roster. But that's that's a good signing for Cleveland. Uh what do you think? Uh first off, Dean, you're welcome <laughs> for all the lobbying the propaganda. We pushed the pedal here for Dean Wade to get this contract back. This is a congratulations for us. Dean doesn't even know who we are, but yet we gave him this contract extension. One day he will. (laughs) Thanks Dean. Now that you're locked in for more years, you have to be on the pod by the end of your Cavs contract. It's a guarantee. Manifest destiny, right? We're manifesting it right now. So hopefully we see Dean one day on the pod. But I I love this signing. I feel like it was one of those under the radar moves that has the potential to really pay off. And you get a cheap deal who can probably step in and contribute uh, at any point in time, assuming he stays healthy. So great signing. Another great signing by Kobe. This guy just, man, he rarely misses as of late. Yeah, I mean, Dean is a valuable player for sure. He provides good perimeter defense. He can space the floor when given the opportunity. I think he's shown growth every single season. He's just uh he's gonna be one he's one of those players that when it comes to playoff time, he will fit a niche for this Cavs team that they'll be looking for in their rotation. And it's always nice to have very different options to pull off of your bench rather than kind of having the same type of archetypes. And there really is no one else on this roster outside of like Kevin Love offensively who matches kind of what I think Dean can do. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. And just to kind of go back on what I said earlier um, to clarify the contract details, he was signed to a three-year, $18.5 million contract extension. Just great to see for a guy that is, uh, you know, he doesn't often get a lot of praise, but he puts in a lot of the hard work, very similar to Lamar Stevens, who we might see get a similar deal in the future if things pan out right. 
Um, but moving along here, back to Cavs media day coverage. Uh, one of the guys that spoke today that I absolutely loved seeing up there at the podium uh, was Ricky Rubio, man. Um, it feels so fucking good to have Ricky Rubio back in town, considering we still have Karis LeBert. It's crazy how things have ended up. And, you know, obviously we knew that it was going to be an inevitable question in regards to when we would possibly see Ricky back out in the court. And I believe the answer that he gave was that he doesn't know pretty much. Um, um, he was quoted as saying, you know, he feels that there's some unfinished business here in Cleveland, which played a role in him returning and resigning this off season. And that uh, he's kind of set an impossible goal for himself um, in regards to return for training camp, which <laughs> Uh, that's not happening, obviously. Yeah. But um, it was kind of encouraging just listening to him talk because when asked when he originally thought that he would be back, I think the first thing that he said was uh, December is when he would hope to be back. But there's no there's really no time frame on that. So if you had to guess right now, Corey, when do you actually think we're going to see Ricky Rubio suit up? In the words of Ricky Rubio's native tongue, yo no say. But honestly, uh, I think Ricky Rubio is probably going to be back like in February. But in complete honesty, I think Ricky Rubio won't be Ricky Rubio again until next season. I think this is like a one year wait and kind of just have him slowly get back. It's hard, man. Like the older you get to, I mean, as we've said before, Ricky Rubio's game is probably the, one of the easier ones to kind of transition back into it's not like we were ever thinking about his athletic burst in the same way we thought about like colin sexton or anything he's a much more methodical player he's more of technique than athleticism but it it's a mental hurdle and especially when it's the same one that you've hurt multiple times i mean he it's gonna it might not look pretty when he first gets back but i wouldn't probably i wouldn't let that discourage me either from what i expect to see in the second year of ricky rubio and that's that's kind of why I feel like Cleveland is probably going to go deeper into the rotation this year than in previous seasons, just because they're going to elect to keep a lot of these guys fresh, a lot of them healthy for the stretch run, you know, and entering the playoffs postseason, which we're all hoping that uh, will will take place in Cleveland this year. Um, and the full, one of the full quotes that he gave was that he wanted to be ready for training camp, but he knew it was impossible. And, you know, talking with his trainers and medical staff, they told him it would be about 10 to 12 months, which is a pretty long range. Um, it changes every week <laughs> at the end of the day, uh, putting a date on it for him personally. Um, he needs it, but it, it's not good for him to put a date on it uh, for when he's going to be back. So, um, you know, there's as is often the case, there is no real timetable. Um, the player themselves know the training staff, you know, coaching staff is going to make the, the determination when they feel he's going to be good to go. But we could be in for a long wait. Um, all I know is that I absolutely loved having him up there, you know, filled in the questions. I'm, I'm grateful for the fact that we were able to bring him back on such a bargainish type of deal. Um, and he, he does get reunited yet again with Kevin Love and with Donovan Mitchell. So, and, you know, some of the other guys that he had the pleasure of playing with this, uh, this past season. Good vibes only. <laughs> Always, man. Um, another person that we heard from today was 
Darius Garland. And <laughs> um, I want to say that it was uh, Greg Swartz. Greg Swartz, you know, we had on from Friend Bleacher of the Report. Pod. Yeah, we had on not too long ago. Asked him how he felt about being forced to pretty much take so many shots. I think he said 17 to 20 shots a game. And uh, Darius's response was hilarious to me. And that's that, you know, yeah, he loved it. <laughs> uh, but obviously you could tell within the wording of what he said in his, uh, his media day appearance that he is welcoming, very welcoming of uh, Donovan Mitchell to take some of that pressure off of him because apparently they had to force him to take those shots last year. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we saw inklings of that when it was him and Colin kind of growing through the pains in Darius's third, second year, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, they The never-ending criticism you heard from the Cavs coaching staff was that these guys are as ta- like super talented offensive players. They just don't shoot enough as much as the Cavs staff wanted them to. So in a weird way, the way that Darius was forced to shoot more when it was just him was the only way I feel like he was really going to kind of grow in that offensive uh, way we saw last year. So while he didn't want to take it, I think he now will be more comfortable, but I also wouldn't be surprised if those numbers kind of regress, but they don't be, they'll be more efficient because he doesn't feel like he has to take shots. He's more uncomfortable taking. Yeah. I think that having Donovan Mitchell out there is definitely going to probably shift his mentality a little bit because while we know he's played with a guard that's ball dominant in Colin Sexton, um, that's pretty similar to Donovan. Donovan is kind of like the apex of what that is. Like he's used to running the offense. He's used to being the number one option. I'm still very interested in seeing how that dynamic is going to play out between those two, because Donovan is not, not at least in my opinion, used to, uh, playing with a player the caliber of a Darius Garland and a guy who also needs to have the ball in his hand to, you know, to function best. Uh, but another aspect of his uh, his questions today uh, was asked about how he felt about his newly, you know, minted contract extension, and I love his response to that as well. And that's that he loves Cleveland, and is he that he's been telling us that for years. So. Um, Corey, when Darius Garland was drafted, was there any like thought in your head, any type of feeling that we were getting a guy who would eventually go on to sign the most lucrative deal in team history? Uh, no way. When Darius Garland was drafted, I was confused and a little angry, if I'm being honest, because I was on the Colin Sexton hype train. Because, you know, he was the start of the rebuild. And I didn't really, at that point, Colin Sexton was a point guard. So I was just confused on how it was going to work. People were, draft experts immediately were like, this is a weird move. You kind of like feed into it initially, especially when you're more like unfamiliar with Darius because there wasn't really a lot to go off of. You're kind of trying to see where this new GM is really trying to take the direction of the team or not new GM, but new head coach, John Beeline. Cause I feel like at the end of the day, Beeline kind of altered the way that that draft was going. Cause you know, he was a big fan of Windler. Yeah. He liked KPJ. So, you know, he had a big like He felt confident that he was going to be able to get the most out of those two guards, but no, yeah, you never really could have expected Darius's growth. It, and like the player he became, like I, I, I personally feel like he's the face of the franchise right now and i feel like he will be 
just because he is such more of an outgoing personality and reflects the team. And uh, Evan's just a quiet guy. I know Evan will probably be the most talented player on the Cavs, but I still feel like at the end of the day, Cleveland is always going to be Darius's team until he's no longer there. And that kind of reminds me of uh, a quote from JB earlier when asked about the two and uh, specifically Evan, you know, outside of the defensive player of the year talk that we talked about earlier. He also said that he feels that Evan could be, you know, the best player on the team without having to take the most shots or without having to lead the team in scoring, which is a pretty big deal. That's that's a pretty big statement right there. And when you think about like today's best players, Many of them are the leading scorers and the, the leading shot takers on their team. To, to have a guy who you think of as not just a defensive star, but an all-around superstar, uh, pull off a feat like that while having a Darius Garland, while having a Donovan Mitchell, uh, while having a Jared Allen alongside you, that's pretty big. Um, that, that, that makes me feel really good about him. But to get back to Darius, um, I honestly, um, for a long time, for a very long time, I felt really good about Colin Sexton being like the the best player on the team. But I think it was as as time was going on, specifically in Darius's like end of like starting towards the middle of his second season, you could really tell that he was quickly turning uh, turning a page here, and it could very well end up being the Cavs' best player um, that season. And which you know, that was Colin's third season, obviously the, his breakout year, but you could just tell the impact that Darius was having on the team, getting guys involved, being able to score, really molding both of those together. Um, something that Colin still seemed to kind of struggle with at certain points. Um, and we, we kind of know what Colin's game is, but I do think, although I think he'll get better, you know, in Utah, I think Darius is by far right now, the, the superior player, um, uh, even without throwing contract statuses, you know, out there, because you're you're worth as much as the team is willing to pay you. Yep. Um, well, we know that, and we know that now Darius is the highest paid player <laughs> in uh, in Cleveland Cavaliers history, which is pretty awesome to say for a guy who only played about four and a half games in college. Yeah, I mean, something about playing less in college just gets you a ton of money. Yeah, I uh, just harken back to the Kyrie Irving. You yeah. remember the the contract extension that he got after he barely played at Duke? <laughs> yep. I mean, something about Cavs drafting unproven guards in college is just a recipe for success. Apparently, apparently. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad that we get to see him, you know, be a mainstay in Cleveland, you know, for the next, you know, five, six, seven, however, however long he's going to be here. I'm just glad to have him locked down. Um, one of the more interesting things here before we kind of close out uh, came from from Karis LeVert, and this kind of bodes well for our uh, for our uh, agendas here. I'll call it that. <laughs> uh, and that's that Karis actually stated today that he 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 would be OK coming off the bench or as a starter because he's done both in his career, which we know that to be a fact. So um, that could bode, bode well for our Dean Wade agenda, right? Yeah, I mean, well, apparently Mac really wants Isaac, so let's just uh, backpedal here. It's Corey's Dean Wade agenda at this point. Oh, my gosh. I'm just saying, I believe in my guy, Isaac. And when you – let's think about it this way. Are we the premier Dean podcast or are we the premier <laughs> Isaac podcast? I want you to think about it this way, Corey. 
with Isaac Okoro's abilities right now, as it pertains to what we've seen out of him right now, would they fit better in the second unit or as a starter? Because in my opinion, I think that his best capabilities lie on the defensive end. I think that fits best in the starting lineup with, with I, what they need. I think his offensive capabilities really hurt the uh, starting <laughs> five. If I'm being you think honest. he's a net negative. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think uh, opposing teams also view him that way. The way that they kind of act like he has COVID and stands seven feet away from him. Look, man, all of his three point attempts were uncontested. I believe last season. I think we've talked about that a lot. But I, I think, think that most of his offensive attempts were uncontested. <laughs> Not even tra- threes. Transition you know, dunks and whatnot um, and and triples. I think that could change this season. I really do. I just, similar to last year when Okoro was coming off the bench, I just did not feel great about that. I did not feel, at least entering the season, I did not feel like his his abilities would be best used off the bench. I I mean, who knows? But it does it, uh, it, it does go a long way to say that Karras would be okay starting or coming off the bench. Thanks, Karis, for being so humble. <laughs> <laughs> so understanding, right? Oh, man, there's there's just so much media day stuff to go through here. Not, and obviously not enough time for me and Corey to sort through it all. So we encourage you guys to go and check that out if you haven't already on the Cavs YouTube channel. So much stuff to feel excited about. I know I certainly am. And Corey is as well. Um, so much stuff to look forward to. We know Cavs regular season basketball is really right around the corner here. And if I'm not mistaken, this past weekend was the last weekend without some form of basketball. Yep. So take solace in that. Yeah. Um, a lot of stuff here in the coming weeks to talk about. Uh, but until then, as we always tell you guys, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can at its Cavalier underscore pod on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and more. If you want to be added to the exclusive It's Cavalier Discord chat, you know what to do. Leave a rating, leave a review, send a screenshot of said review to it's Cavalier 53 at gmail.com, and we will personally invite you. Don't forget to like and subscribe, and you guys have a good day. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.